if you have a Bible, turn just for a couple minutes to Colossians 4. Colossians 4. At the start of each year, we tend to kind of take a look back and a look forward and set some goals about who we're going to be and what we're going to accomplish. Um, I know we have some goals that I'm thinking of as a church, but also have personal goals like, you know, some of the things we do, like um, I'm going to sleep more, or I'm going to lose 10 pounds or 50 pounds, or I'm going to save more money, or I'm going to exercise more, or I'm going to get projects done. Some of them are kind of nice intentions. Some of them are serious life changes. But there's definitely one area of our life that constantly needs intentionality and constantly needs focus, and that's who we are spiritually and how we're growing spiritually. And as we've been studying the last couple months over living vertically and about, um, you know, the sacrifice of God to come here and rescue us and redeem us, I think it should make us even more purposeful in terms of how we live and in terms of what we're going to be this year. It's the 5th of January. What are we going to be by the 1st of February? What are we going to be by the 1st of June uh, when the snow finally melts? You know, who, who are we going to be? It's not just a maintenance thing. It's not just, well, at the end of 2017, I'm going to be the same type of believer, the same type of faith, the same type of maturity as I am right now. There has to be an upgrade, right? There has to be a greater level of progression because every day we're supposed to be more like Christ. Every day we're supposed to be more full of the Spirit. So uh, as we look at this little text tonight in Colossians 4, we're just going to read uh, one verse tonight, but I just think it's... It's good to, to have every thought be very purposeful in terms of how it's going um, to please the Lord. And one of the strengths of the Bible is it teaches us how to do that, um, either by direct instruction or by giving us examples of people who have succeeded and people who have failed. So Paul here in Colossians chapter 4 um, is writing to a group of, of new believers in a city that was very overrun by intellectualism, very overrun by Eastern philosophy, um, very overrun by idol worship. Um, Colossae was a, was a major city, and um, part of the problem that the Colossian believers were facing is that the people that they were around in Colossae were really trying to undermine the deity of Christ. So Paul in Colossians centers really everything on Christ. And here in this um, in this book, he's talking about what Christ did, who he is, how our salvation is through him. And then the practical aspect of it is how does what he's done, how does who he is, how does our relationship with him change us? Because there has to be change. There has to be progression. There has to be something new that's happened because we know Christ. And here in chapter 4, he uses um, five verses really to give very straight forward instruction about how we're to pray, how we're to act, how we're to talk. But right now, tonight, I just want to focus for a couple minutes on one verse on prayer, and it's in verse 2. It's a very simple verse. It's just a couple lines, but there's a whole lot here, and I want to just um, kind of go over the instructions that he gives tonight about, um, about what he's teaching us in terms of prayer. So Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Now, we're not given the reason why we're supposed to do this because it's assumed. If you're a believer, 
then the Bible's for you, right? The Bible's full of instruction about what we're supposed to do. So we don't have to be told, look, there's a, there's a reason why you need to pray. Here's the rationale behind it. Because the reasons are obvious and the reasons are logical. So let's just take it apart phrase by phrase and kind of get some encouragement tonight about devoting ourselves to prayer in 2017. I've said it before from the pulpit. When we have prayer meeting, I want this room to be packed. Like, I want there to be standing room. I want people to be waiting outside. Every church, just about every church in the country that's even trying to have a prayer meeting is struggling with that because people aren't into prayer or they don't understand prayer or they're nervous about prayer or they don't think prayer is very important. So it's kind of been a goal of ours from day one that we want to be a church that's devoted to prayer. But that starts with us as individuals. We can stand up and say, we're going to have a prayer meeting. We want everybody to pray. And if that's not engaged in your hearts, and it is for all of you that are here, but if that's not engaged in your heart, if that's not important to you, you're going to say, well, I'm going to stay home. It's freezing cold outside, and why would I do that? That's not something that I desire to do. So how do we get to that place? Well, let's take it line by line. Maybe take a couple notes or underline your Bible. The first calling we have, two words, is to devote ourselves to prayer. Devote ourselves. Now, that word devote means to be strong, to endure, and to persevere in prayer. In other words, it's not just a passing action, not occasional, not, well, I'm in crisis, so I better pray. Instead, he's saying that prayer should actually be the strength of our walk. It should actually be the foundation, the rock that we stand on, that, that no matter what happens, that we're committed to prayer, that it's constant, and that we're persevering in it. And like anything that strengthens us, having a powerful prayer life doesn't happen by sitting on the couch spiritually. There's no way I'm going to get in shape in the new year, and goodness knows I need to, by, by sitting on the couch and eating ice cream and watching TV 24-7. There's no way. Scott, you're a doctor, right? Am I going to get healthy doing that? Not going to happen. Not going to happen, right? No matter how many diet pills I take, no matter how many commercials I watch about getting thin, it's not going to happen if I sit on the couch or by taking the wrong spiritual food in. So for us to get strong in prayer, what do we have to do? We have to discipline ourselves to prayer. We have to exercise in prayer, and we have to be passionate about it. It has to be a continual action, and that has three goals. Why do we pray? Why, why, why is it important for us to gather together? Well, we want to get in closer fellowship with the Lord. I guarantee you, after tonight, when you drive away and have the heater on full blast, you're going to feel closer to the Lord than you did two hours ago because you've spent time in his presence. No matter what you get out of this evening, no matter how you feel about it, you will have presence of the Lord an hour and a half just being in his presence. So you're going to feel stronger in that. Second reason is we want to have more confidence and more calmness. When we go to, to, to these cards, right, we don't just go, well, i got to pray for that. Well, that's not going to happen. Did anybody pray like that? Or did we pray going, all right, Lord, here it is. I've got this card in front of me. You gave me this card for a reason. So I'm going to pray confidently, Lord, that you're going to answer that prayer. When we do that, it reduces our anxiety and our fear and our stress. Now, knowing that that's what's going to happen, knowing that's the benefit of prayer, because you can sit in a worship service, you can stand and sing, and you can not feel anything, right? You can listen to a sermon, you can hear somebody talk, you're like, oh, when is he going to be done already? Okay, 
You can check out, but when you pray, you can't check out. So the enemy is going to fight that, and he's going to fight it in two ways. He's going to fight our confidence in our faith, and he's going to fight our time. Now, we know the importance of trusting in the Lord. I don't have to teach about that tonight. And we know what it's like to be full of faith and to be strong in that. But it's the other area that I want to talk about just for a couple minutes. Because I don't think there's one person in this room who doesn't have difficulty setting aside quality time to pray. Who doesn't have difficulty setting aside quality time to be undistracted, to not be on our phones, to not be watching TV, to not be talking to anybody else, but just to be getting into the presence of the Lord and just calling on Him and listening to Him. We got so many responsibilities, right? We're like rushing out the door. I'm trying to get up here, be on time tonight. But most of that's our own doing. We're going to have to find time in the new year to schedule it in, to put a priority on sitting down and praying. And that isn't just even, let me contradict myself a little bit, that's not just, well, I've got to get in room and by myself for an hour and pray. That's whenever we're doing anything. The Bible says pray without ceasing. So if I'm running the snowblower, instead of listening to music, I could be praying. When I'm sitting in line, standing in line at a store and trying, you know, what, I, instead of checking what's on Fox News on my phone, I could be praying. When I'm, when I'm driving, instead of filling my mind with talk radio or listening to 80s music, I can be praying. I can be using that time. It's like we talked about Sunday, letting technology dictate our time versus controlling it ourselves and being productive. I often say to my kids, look, when you've got five minutes, find a job. Like in five minutes, I can do all the dishes and put them in the dishwasher and start it. And that feels so good. Or I can spend five minutes just kind of walking around or checking my phone or doing something else. It's a matter of productivity. So we need to use that in terms of prayer. And Jesus' example, right, he modeled this. He was devoted to prayer. He'd go up in the mountains. He would pray by himself. And, and he was tempted just like we are. So if Jesus called on the name of the Father when he was tempted, what do I need to do? I mean, he was the son of God, and he still spent time in God's presence. So what do we need to do? All right? So number one, devote yourself to prayer. Second, and this one's kind of obvious, what does he tell us to devote ourselves to? He says, to prayer. And why not study? Why not fellowship? Why not singing? Why not serving? Why not going out in our community and witnessing? Why does the Spirit of God here in verse 2 say, devote yourself to prayer? Well, remember that the attack in Colossae was the same attack that we're facing right now. It was an attack on faith. And Paul says, if you look down at verse 4, he says, I want you to make it clear in the way that I'm speaking. I, I'm sorry, the wrong verse. Look at chapter 1, verse 4. Forgive me. Chapter 1, verse 4, he says, I'm praying for you always because I've heard of your faith in Christ and the love you have for the saints. In other words, I'm praying for you that you will continue to grow in your faith because the attack is constantly on your faith. The attack of the enemy is to undermine what we believe. It's to undermine our confidence in the Lord. So in the middle of all this teaching about how to be heavenly minded and how to be holy in their conduct and how to be full of humility, and that's what the whole book's about, how to have God-honoring relationships, 
The Spirit gets down to the core of what we do to live that way, and it's to have faith. And there is no pure expression of faith than to pray. Think about that. There's no pure expression of faith than to pray. Because what happens when you pray? When you pray, you say, God, you are God, you are sovereign, you are Savior, you are Lord, and I'm nothing without you. When you pray, you can't go to the throne of grace. Great verse Gene shared earlier. You can't go to the throne of grace without going through Jesus because he's the one that opened up the access. So anytime you pray, pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I pray. Why? Why is that important? Is that, is that trite? Is that necessary? Yes, it's necessary because I can't get to the throne of grace without the high priest. And the high priest was Jesus. He's the one that opened it up. He's the one that says, you go in my name to the throne of grace. So when you pray, always pray in Jesus' name. When we pray, we believe that God's merciful. When we pray, we believe that we're going into his presence. When we pray, we believe that God is not only going to hear us, but he's going to be merciful, and he's going to have interest, and he's going to show grace, and he's going to answer prayer. And then when we pray, we actually do believe, I hope you do, I do, that, that God does answer prayer. So prayer is ultimate faith. You're God, I'm not. I'm only coming to you because of your grace. I'm only coming to you because of Jesus. I'm coming to you worthless, but you've adopted me, and you've declared me righteous, and I'm coming to you not just with some pipe dreams. Well, God, I hope you hear me and hope you answer prayer. I'm coming confident that you are going to answer me. That's why James says, don't pray with impure motives. And, and make sure you ask because you don't have because you don't ask. And make sure when you come, you come believing. James is a great book on prayer. Come believing. Don't waver. Don't be like the waves out on Lake Michigan on a choppy day where it's kind of go back and forth and crashing. Into. He said that's what it's like when you pray without believing. Pray believing. God, you are going to work. God, this card that I'm holding in my hand, you're going to answer that prayer. And I'm going to pray until you do. Everything about prayer communicates our faith. Let me give you a little example of this real quick. When Jacob was about, I don't know, maybe five or six, we went to the movies, and he had gotten a $15 gift card to Toys R Us for his birthday. He was very excited about it, and he wanted to be a big kid, and, and he put it in the front pocket of his jeans and walked in. I've got my gift card, and, you know, I'm Dad, we're going to go to, yeah, son, we'll go to Toys R Us. I've got my gift card, $15, I get to go to Toys R Us, and it's got my gift card. So we go to the movie. In the course of walking into the theater, I guess he was messing with it and pulling it out, looking at it, whatever. In the course of it, he dropped it. Well, we get into the theater, and we're sitting there, and, and right as the movie started, he goes, Dad. I said, what? He goes, I don't have my gift card anymore. All right, where did you drop it? You know, isn't that a helpful question? Well, where did you drop it? Well, if I knew where I dropped it, I'd go back and find it. What kind of question is that? And he, it is a father question. He was so distraught. I said, all right, let, I'll go look for it. And I'm walking, kind of grumbling, and, oh, I can't believe we lost it, and we're going to have to figure something out, and he's going to be so sad. And I walked to where I kind of thought we were going to find it, if potential of where we had gone, and there's a group of like seven, ten-year-olds kind of walking around, and I'm thinking, well, if it was there, it's gone now. And none of these kids, unless I, you know, push them up against the wall, kind of rough them up and say, did you find a gift card? None of these kids is going to confess to that. 
So I'm walking a little bit farther, and, and, and I'm thinking, there's no way. And all of a sudden, I look down, and there it is, laying upside down. And I kind of thank the Lord, you know, for answering my kind of feeble, not so full of faith prayer, and, and that I was wrong about it. And I, and I walked back in, and I, and I leaned over to Jacob. He's watching the movie. He's looking at me with big eyes. And, and I, and I kind of did that. I told you so, like, you're such a blessed kid. Like, I found it. And he looks up at me, and he leans over, and he whispers, and he said, I was praying. Total faith of a little child. Not I was praying you'd find it, but just I was praying. That's the simplicity of faith. Devote yourself to prayer. Why? Because when we go as a redeemed child to the Lord, he loves to answer. If you have not, why? Because you don't ask. I don't know how to nuance that verse. You don't have because you don't ask. Andrew Murray, great Scottish preacher, said, the door to the deepest of all spiritual experiences is lifting us up into the very presence of God himself. He said that's what prayer is. So devote yourself first. Second, to what? To prayer. Third, look at the third phrase. Devote yourselves to prayer being watchful. Now, sometimes we need to abide in the presence of the Lord because there's danger. There's danger to our spiritual health. There's danger to our strength. There's danger to our growth. And watch, that word there means constant spiritual alertness. The Bible says what? When you walk, walk circumspectly, looking around, making sure there's nothing that's going to trap you. Be on guard. Be, be ready. Like in Nehemiah, when he puts them on the wall and he says, have your tool in one hand and your sword in the other. Be ready, be alert, because the enemy's lurking out there. Sanballat and Tobias and those guys that were trying to plot against them. He says, you've got to be ready. Now, look back at the verse. He says, prayer is the catalyst for remaining spiritually alert and spiritually aware, which means that our attitude toward prayer has to be thoughtful. How many times have you and I slipped into dull mechanical prayer. Well, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all you're doing for me. And, and thank you for blessing me and getting me through the day. And Lord, I need this. And, and, and we're, we're kind of talking like we're saying, I need to go over to the store and I need to make a return. And then hopefully they're going to give me my money back. And then I'm going to go to the grocery store and pick up some stuff for dinner. I don't know what should we have for dinner. Yeah, that sounds kind of, have you ever prayed like that? Where it's just kind of rote. And we don't realize or we're not thinking about the spiritual stakes that are at play, that warfare is all around us. He says, be watchful, be alive and active mentally and physically. Guard your heart. Make sure you're not praying coldly or impassively. Don't be careless. Be, don't, don't, don't be spiritually disaffected. Get on top of it. Make sure you know what you're doing. And in fact, the deeper concept of that word watchful means to hold on with strength and don't let it drop. When you're holding my, when I was holding my kids as babies, right, I didn't go, hey, what are you doing, you know, kind of toss them around. I know there's, there's a difference between tossing them there and catching them, which still makes me nervous. Tony was doing that the other day. Tossing the baby over there, I'm like, whoa. He's like, no, it's fine. 
But you're not careless with a newborn, right? You don't toss a newborn up in the air. You toss a child that's old enough that they'll come down and catch. But, but you don't play around with a, with a little newborn baby. What do you do? You hold its head and you make sure that they're, that they're comforted and strength and wrapped up just right. He says that's what we're supposed to do with prayer. It's precious. It's to be protected. Why? Because it's the source of our power. Acts 2.42, the church held fast to doctrine, fellowship, and prayer. Why do we have to hold fast? Because culture, uh, listen, we've seen it in the last two months, right? Culture is pulling, 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 pulling. The enemy's attacks are going to get worse. Human tendencies are getting worse. He says, be watchful. Devote yourselves to prayer. Look at it. Being watchful, be on guard. Don't let go. And then there's a final word of instruction. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. See, we hold on fast to prayer because it makes us spiritually strong. And we pray in faith because that's how we have confidence. And we're watchful because of the enemy. But now he says, make sure you do this. When you pray, be thankful. Make sure you're praising the Lord. Make sure you're declaring your love for him. Why? Because what's our tendency? Oh, Lord, so I'm tired. Come in your presence. Or, okay, Lord, here's, there's so much going on. I just need to tell you what's happening. And you know, praise you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. But all right, now I really got to get down to it because I'm kind of limited on time. I got to make sure I get all this stuff out. And we get into receive only mentality, right? Like, Lord, I need this. Lord, I need this. I, I'm kind of expecting you to work. I, I have faith. You're, Lord, you're going to work. But I need this, and, and I need to get this. And, and thank you, Lord, for what you've done. But I, I need more. Instead of just, when was the last time you just prayed? I, I can't think of the last time I did this. Where I just prayed, and I did nothing but praise him. Did nothing but thank him. Did nothing just just just. Praise him for freeing me from judgment. Praise him for adopting me as his own. Praise him for his daily protection. Praise him for his help and his work in my life. Praise him for his Holy Spirit. Praise him that he's always near. Praise him that he's watching over me tonight. And, and then never got to request. And, and Lord, you know the things I'm burdened about. Ne you never got there. You just said, praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you for what you have done. Think about how that would change your mentality. Show your love. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Now, the Spirit reinforces this praise in every aspect of the believer's life. Look at what happens. Go back to chapter 3, verse 15, and then we're going to pray. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. How? to which indeed you were called in one body. Look at the next three words. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another. With what? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual thong, songs. Singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Here it is again. Giving thanks to him. In other words, Paul saying, the Spirit saying, in everything we do, thankfulness. It will revolutionize our prayer life if we will spend more time 
just thanking him, just praising him, just glorifying him, just honoring him. And you know what that does? That prevents us from straying. It prevents us from backsliding. It prevents us from being preoccupied with self because we know that's what the enemy wants, right? He wants to weaken our prayer life and get us to be preoccupied with self. And if we just spend time saying, Lord, I'm thankful. I'm so thankful for what you've done. Just start writing out things that God has done for you. Make, make a list of things that God has done. And then the, as we come into his presence, here's what David says. He says, when you come into his presence, then there's fullness of what? Tell me, joy. I will not get fullness of joy if I just come to God and start listing all the stuff I need. Where I will get fullness of joy is if I come into his presence and says, I thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done. I praise your name. We can't praise the Lord enough. And we need in this new year to be a church and a people that praises God. So look at it one more time. We're going to pray. Devote yourselves to prayer, full commitment, full energy. Devote yourselves to prayer, being in the position of faith. Be watchful because there's danger all around. We need to have our hearts and minds alert. And then be thankful. If we can do those four things, oh, our lives will be different. Our faith will be different. And our witness will be different.